episode 17 of the Fly Kids Show. This episode is the Culinary Chemist episode, and today I um, got a guest on. I've known this, I've known this brother for quite some time, um, since high school actually, and uh, just very, very proud to uh, just see his ascent um, as a uh, culinary professional, um, and just to have been able to watch him grow in the years that we've reconnected. And um, I think you, I think y'all will really enjoy this episode and just learning more just how the culinary business works. But today I have uh, the executive chef of Sweet Home Cafe at the National Museum of African American History and Culture, Mr. Jerome Grant. Thank you for having me. Thank you how for you being doing? here. And um, he brought a close business partner of his with him also, executive chef at one of the uh, restaurants at one of the Smithsonian uh, museums, the executive chef of the Atrium Cafe at the National Museum of Natural History, Mr. Chef Steve Kirshner. Hey, pleasure to be here, man. All right, so we're going to get right into this. Um, Jerome. Yes. You've got an interesting background, so I always start with people's backgrounds. <laughs> so you got to let me know, like, we'll let the people know, because I know, but let the people know, like, where you're from and how things got started with you as in, in the world of culinary arts. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm a military kid. I've traveled a lot, um, kind of been in more of like the armpits of America, you know, upstate New York, mm. Idaho, Oklahoma, parts of California. And, um, you know, my father retired here at Andrews. Mm. Um, so I've been here past 20 years. Um, you know, father retired in Fort Washington, mm. um, graduated from Oxnell High School. Yes, my alma um, mater, our alma mater. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, my, my, my interest in the culinary arts really started there. Okay. Um, I was a science and tech student, kind of enjoyed the whole technology and, and, and math thing, but kind of realized that, you know, a four-year college wasn't for me. Right. You know, right. sitting in an office wasn't for me. Um, to this day, I don't even know how to tie a tie. Really? No. Nah. Wow. Okay. Never had a reason to. I don't once as, as as the son of a military man, you don't know how to tie a tie. <laughs> nah, man. I, I own one suit, and that's a suit my mom's going to bury me in. So Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I started working in restaurants at an early age. My mother was always in food service, and uh, I always, you know, enjoyed cooking. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, started high school. My mother, you know, told me that she'll stop paying me allowance, but to actually come work for her when I got out of school. So I started working for her as a short order cook, you know, flipping burgers and making pizzas at this bar and I really enjoyed it so while I was in while I was at Oxen Hill I pretty much took every culinary class that they had whether it was you know home ec international cuisine and then I exhausted all those electives by my junior year I don't remember any of this no actually yes I do I remember one I think I remember one time I seen all y'all culinary folks come out of the classroom and y'all had food and I'm just like (laughs) cooking in there Okay, whatever. Well, I wanted to ask you, though, do you remember our short time working together at the VFW <laughs> post-96-19 on Sula oh, Road? Man. <laughs> washing, dish washing, washing dishes. <laughs> washing dishes. I remember them days, man. Those, actually, those were some of the best days. Cash on hand, washing <laughs> dishes. Yeah, man. They would feed us, like, just, like, the most basic Fried chicken and mashed American potatoes. American comfort food. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, Sliced turkey, gravy, all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nothing crazy, but it was a good time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I, uh, I, I think about, I thought about that the other day. I was like, it's crazy. Like you know, we worked together there, 
and we were in the kitchen washing dishes and like he just stayed in the business where it's like okay I, I got to go somewhere else this ain't the life for me I remember that <laughs> I remember that too man. I told you I had one digging in the crates moment for you that's that's the only one I got that's that's all I got yeah those, those were good times man you know washing dishes for them old folk man so the, the bar that your mom had what was the name of it it was a sports page so she uh oversaw a lot of the dining on Andrews Air Force Base okay um, at the time, we lived on Andrews, and um, I'd get off the bus, you know, ninth grade year, run to her job and start flipping burgers and, and, and making pizzas and actually would deliver the pizzas also at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I enjoyed hanging out with older guys. Um, you know, it was, it was fun. We cracked jokes. You, you learned a lot of, you know, life lessons back there. Yeah. And um, this was like, this was Clinton era. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah. It was Clinton era. It was back in the day, you know. And then... Um, I sat there, you know, I was going through school, and like I said, I I I realized that going to college wasn't for, going to a full four year college just wasn't for me. So I was like, you know, let me uh, let me go ahead and pursue this cooking thing. So at the time, uh, my one of my teachers, Miss Lee, she helped point me in the direction about you know going to school about and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I exhausted all the electives, I was I was her teacher's aide. Yeah, my senior year, mm-hmm. which. A, afforded me to have a half day of school, which I really enjoyed. I'd actually leave work, leave school early, go to work. But the other half of it was my studies on writing the curriculum for International Cuisine 3 for PG County. Mm-hmm. So I actually put together that curriculum. Oh, wow. I didn't know you that. You know, as a senior in high school. Okay. Um, which was pretty cool. And then... Um, Do they still even have um, culinary classes in PG County Oxen, public schools? Oxen Hill has probably one of the, one of, one of the best CCAP uh, uh, programs out there. Okay. Um, actually, I'll be going back um, like April 3rd to judge a cooking competition, which uh, actually gets the kids scholarships to go to culinary school and stuff like that, which word, will be exciting. Word, word, word. Yeah. I had, yeah, I had no idea any of that was going on, but that's <laughs> yeah. good to know. And we've been we've been working with CCAT for like years, four or five years. Okay. You know, bringing in kids, you know, helping them train and help them get ready for uh, yep. for culinary school. I mean, actually, the majority of our kids got scholarships. Yeah. Yeah. And CCAP stands for? I couldn't tell you, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Something that'll get the, the youth into a culinary school it's a, it's and a, pique a, their interest. It's a career culinary, culinary aptitude program. Okay. All right. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we helped get those kids scholarships. And, you know, we didn't treat them like any, any different. We treated them just like any other associate that came in our door that wanted to work in the kitchen. We busted their asses. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we dogged them out. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people don't understand that this industry isn't easy, man. It's not easy. It, Easy by all means. When I started working, like, this shit wasn't glamorous, man. Like, there was no TV shows. There wasn't yeah. no no Rock Harpers on TV and shit like that. Yeah, the only TV shows <laughs> that were still had uh, Julia Child was yeah, still around. Exactly. You had Yang Can't Cook. And that was all PBS. Yeah, and, and like, all the guys that, like, I, I worked in kitchens, they were either old timers or, like, they had records, man. They, they You know, they, they, they couldn't get a regular job. Yeah. And it wasn't just, like, you know, as glamorous as it is now. So, you know, for us, you know, we want to make sure that the, especially the young kids that come into our kitchen, like, you know, we put them to the test, man. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, in this industry, like, nobody owes you anything, man. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you have to, to get where you where you want to go, you have to have that experience. You have to have that thick skin. You have to, to be able to endure a lot. Because, you know, even, like, where I'm at now or where Steve's at now, like, we still have a lot more more, more ways to go. Okay. We're going to say that towards, towards the end. Yeah. But... You decided to go to the Pennsylvania Culinary Institute in yes. Pittsburgh. I'd never heard of the school. So of all the schools 
that you could have chose. Why that one? Well, I didn't want to go to Baltimore Culinary. It was too close to home. And okay. all my friends were in Baltimore at the time, you know, going to Towson and Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I needed to, to go out. And then I didn't want to go to CIA. It was too expensive. And on top of that, I just, it just wasn't for me. Okay. So I was like, you know what? Let me go to CIA go, go to is in the Culinary yeah. Institute of America, not the Central Intelligence Agency, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I so I was like, you know, let me, let me go to Pittsburgh and try this out. And at the same time, you know, it was far enough away from home, but also close enough for me. So I went out there, and I remember packing up my stuff to go to uh, to go to culinary school. It was two days after we graduated high school. Wow. I was gone. <laughs> you ain't waste <laughs> yeah. no time. No, nah, I was gone. Okay. I started school June 30th that year. Okay. That was a month after graduation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So when everybody was hanging out, I, w- I was already in school. Okay. Rolling. Okay. So I did that for, uh, what was it? Two and a half years. It was an associate's program. Yeah. Um, just like any 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 person going through school, like you, you get sidetracked by a couple things. Mm-hmm. So I had to repeat a couple courses, which is probably the best thing for me. Okay. So um, how how long were you up there? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I put myself through school. I had two jobs, so I actually worked at GNC during the day, doing mm-hmm. loss prevention for GNC, the the big headquarters in Pittsburgh. So understanding theft and and, and understanding how to kind of catch people doing the wrong things and, 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 and mining paperwork. And then um, at night, I butchered fish at Holy's Seafood in the Strip District. Okay. Now, was GNC the only non-culinary food restaurant-related job you ever had? No, nah, man, I did telemarketing for like 20 days, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the money sounded good, but then I just got tired of people hanging up on me and Telling nah. me I ain't shit and stuff like that, so I decided. Nah, they, they I, will hang up on you. Yeah, I remember I walked out the next day with like, man, the hell with this. And then uh, my roommate was like, man, I get you a job, man. I was like, where? He's like, man, just come with me tomorrow. So uh, I was like, all right, bet. So I waited around, waited around. He got home from his other job. He's like, all right, man, we got we got to be to work by eleven. Mm. It's like eleven at night. I was like, man, I'm already like four beers into it, man. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, man, we walk all the way. We walk across the, the the Fifth Avenue Bridge in Pittsburgh. If anybody knows, like Pittsburgh is just full of bridges, man. And um, walked all the way down to the Strip District. Mm. And he takes me to this fish house called Holy's, and he's like, "Yeah, we're butchering fish, man." And it was just like the nastiest, <laughs> dirtiest thing ever, man. His fish guts on the floor, you know. It was just, it it, it was terrible. You had on the whole rubber. Hell no, man. Apron yeah. and had on jeans and a regular apron, man. You, <laughs> And um, we butchered fish all night. Okay. And um, it's probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Um, you know, to this day, it's like, you know, I think my my my, my fish butchering skills are way, way above par. And okay. it's just yeah. from just long yeah. nights of just breaking down fish and setting it up. Yeah. And I mean everything from, you know, 40, 50-pound halibuts to 90-pound pieces of tuna, you know, actually skillfully doing it well and understanding fish. Um, you know, a lot of people don't really see that kind of side. It's like they think, you know, they just walk into a supermarket. It's like, oh, yeah, let me get a couple of fillets or something like that. Mm-hmm. But don't understand, you know, the proper treatment of fish. Yeah. And how when you don't properly treat fish, it'll actually hinder the, the meat itself, mm-hmm. you know. So really understanding that, understanding, you know, how to properly cool it, how to properly keep it on ice while you're butchering it, why you cut this way versus that way, why you carry fish from, you know, its head instead of its tail, like all those types of things. And it, 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 it began to make sense for me. Um, but then going, you know, growing up and stuff like that throughout the culinary industry, it's really helped me a lot. Okay. So when you finished 
culinary school? Did you stay in Pittsburgh? Did you come back to D.C.? Or, like, how how long between the time you finished culinary school and how much time passed between that and when you went to St. Croix? So I came back home right after I graduated culinary school. And, uh, well, actually, no. I came home for a little while, and then I went and did my externship in Vero Beach. Um, I did my externship out there, and that's where I started my externship. Um, so Vero Beach was really cool. It was uh, I, I worked at Vero Beach Country Club. Vero Beach is where? Florida. Florida, okay. And, um, you know, it was this very prestigious country club out there. And I ended up working at, uh, they, they had like four outlets, so I worked at the beach house. Mm. And I was just a basic prep cook, peeling tomatoes, peeling uh, tomatoes, peeling potatoes, you know, all that stuff. And um, it was a little short-lived. I came back home early. I uh, didn't finish my externship. And then um, started working for a corporate caterer down in uh, Columbia, Maryland at uh, John Hopkins Applied Physics Lab, which is probably one of the first corporate caterers I ever worked for. Um, started doing that, worked in their garmage area, which is their cold prep, and just kind of, you know, working with, uh, working with people and understanding how, you know, institutional-style dining kind of works. Um, so I did that for two years, and then luckily enough, our storeroom supervisor, his... Uh, his father-in-law and his father-in-law's buddies bought a beach resort in St. Croix, okay. which was a Carambola Beach Resort, which at the time, well, back in the day, it used to be an old Rockefeller resort. Okay. And it was just like, you know, it was like the biggest thing out there. So he moved down there to be the food and beverage director, and he was like, he, like two weeks into it, he called me. He's like, hey, man, you want to come down to St. Croix and finish your externship out here? I was like, why not? You know, little beach action. I, I, he's like, you know, you live on property. You know, I'll, I can't pay you much, but you know, I'll, I'll make sure you're you're fed and housed and stuff like that. So, literally, uh, two weeks after he was there, I packed up my stuff a week later, mm-hmm. and uh, moved to St. Croix, which is exactly one thousand six hundred sixty-six miles away from DC. Why? Um, <laughs> why, did, why do you know this number? You just just arbitrarily is like. How many miles away did you just decide to look just it up? Just flying back and forth and seeing the mileage. Okay. Um, so it, it's a number that always sticks out in my head. Did you come Did you come home often? Yeah. Okay. Um, so 20 years old, I, I went down there. Oh, I, so you, 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 were, you weren't even 21 yet. Nah. It was actually okay. like three months before my 21st birthday. Okay. So I went, it was like, yeah, it was January. So I went down there the 1st of January and... Uh, you know, I went down there. I took a job making seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. Is that livable even down there? I mean, I, I lucked out because they were paying for my housing. But you know, seven dollars okay. and fifty cents. I don't even think that was minimum wage at that time. <laughs> and um, went down there just off a whim. I remember just packing up my knives, two pairs of shoes, mm-hmm. and just work clothes, and worked like a slave out there. Um, you know, I'd work fourteen-hour days, and uh, a couple months into it, they fired the executive chef. Okay, and so did you see a, uh, an opening for yourself? I mean, I never thought about it. Um, so I continued to work for a couple more months, and my externship was uh, was finished. Mm-hmm. So I finally completed my externship. And uh, the guy I was working for, who was the food and beverage director, Jake, he was like, man, he's like, you know, talent out here is pretty tough. Do you, would you, would you want to stay? I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I could really afford to kind of live out here and stuff like that. He's like, nah, man, we'll get a deal for you. So... Um, so I got my first salary job, and he was like, you know, well, we're going to make you the chef. I'll teach you all the financial stuff and how to understand numbers, but um, you'll, you'll grow to understand food more. Wow, okay. And I was like, all right, cool. I mean, you know, 
the islands. I mean, I, I literally wore shorts every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I was like, all right, why not? But I worked literally seven days a week, 14, 16-hour days. Mm. And I was like, all right, bet. So they gave me my, my first salary job, which, um, well, which to this day, I, I think they really got over on me. <laughs> but uh, I, I got. I mean, I you got, were young. They were probably. Oh, I, I, they, they, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know this. Like, yeah, it was like, I was 21 then. I got paid forty thousand dollars, which so I'm, at, I'm gonna let at, you know. At 21. At 21, I was balling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at 21, I was balling. It's, I, called, it's called No Kids Balling. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Charles Jean Pierre. He came yeah, up with that. I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> no kids, forty grand. I didn't have to pay rent or nothing like that. Like I was, I was doing it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but I was, I, was, I, was, I was working myself to death. Mm. Um, so I started learning and understanding things. And, you know, the beach resort has a, had a pretty good uh, reputation for itself. You know, they do a lot of, like, the big brunches, the big buffets. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's resort-style food. Okay. But at the same time, you know, we had a fine dining restaurant there as well as a, a beach house. And then we had more of our buffet room. So all of it came out of one kitchen, I, and I learned how to oversee that whole kitchen. Okay. Um, you know, some of my best times were there. Some of my worst times were there. And so I stuck with that. Um, did how, a lot of... For how long, were, how long were you down there? Well, I was at the resort for like, I think, three and a half, four years. Okay. Um, okay. And we did a lot of awesome things there. Like, you know, I placed at the Taste of St. Croix, which is like a really big uh, island event. And with me being there, it actually afforded me a lot of things. So I actually became an alternate on the uh, USVI Culinary Olympic team. Mm. So, you know, in all actuality... I was on a team with a bunch of uh, old timers that were really great at what they did throughout the Virgin Islands. So I would actually travel with them, you know, do their prep work, sharpen their knives, things like that. But, you know, I was with them, which was great. I was at that time light years younger than a lot of those guys, yeah. you know, by like decades. Mm -hmm. And so we like travel back and forth to Puerto Rico, travel back and forth to Miami to do these competitions. And it was a good time. You know, it really, really enlightened me. And then um, I we did this we did this wedding for this for this couple out in New Jersey, and they had it at the beach resort. So everything went well. They enjoyed the food and stuff like that. And I, I remember the husband and wife talking to me afterwards, thanking me, and they were like, "You know, our dreams always come down to the islands, just to open up a restaurant and stuff like that." Three months later, they they moved to Saint Croix, and wow. uh, came and got me. Was like, "Yeah, we want to open up this restaurant. Would you want to be a, a partner in the restaurant?" Well, you know. You get paid out of sweat, you know. At the time, I think they call it sweat equity. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to put no money in, but no sweat equity. Yeah. <laughs> I know sweat equity very well. But yeah, you're gonna have to work. You'll you'll take a salary and and you'll get some residuals on the back end. I was like, all right, why not? You know. And, I, and this I, is this is the mix lounge you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, the mix lounge. Okay. So I was like, yeah, why not? You know, and uh, we opened up right on Christianstead Boardwalk. Okay. And uh, you know that alone was a hell of an experience. I mean, it was a it was a crappy Allen kitchen, you know, no AC. You know, we had a hole in the roof. Every time it rained, it was like, yeah, I moved to a different <laughs> side of the kitchen. Um, you know, we had like one refrigerated box and it was just terrible. And we do like, you know, 80 to 100 people a night, but it'd just be me and two other guys, a dishwasher and a prep guy. And again, I'd, I'd work all the time and stuff like that. Um, I, I kind of remember at that time, like my love for vodka was just the greatest thing ever. It's age yeah. appropriate. I think yeah, everybody like in their early 20s had a thing for vodka. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about, like, pounding a fifth and a half of, of Belvedere throughout <laughs> service. You know what I mean? And that that's what really got me on through my life at that time. It was it was literally, like, Red Bull just came out. So it was, like, Red Bull and Belvedere. And, and yeah, I, did. I had my, I had my, my time with days. Red Bull and vodka. Yeah. <laughs> and it kept me going. And I did it for a couple of years. And the uh, 
the unfortunate thing is the couple that opened up the business with, or I opened up the business with, um, some things just don't work. So they divorced. So they got a divorce. Okay. Um, at that time, you know, I, I was enjoying life. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really save money or nothing like that. And I remember having to call my parents and saying, I'm coming home. And they were like, all right, cool. You know, you can come to the house and, you know, figure out what you want to do. And I was like, yeah, I also need 670 bucks to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, my mother sends me the money and I come back home. And uh, I think I might have uh, this is this might have been around the time when I it's been a few it's been a few times throughout the time that we've known each other. where like we bumped into each other. Yeah. I think I, I bumped into you <laughs> um, somewhere in the city because I think I had just came back from New York on one of my New York st- off of one of my New York stints. And I saw you. I was like, yeah, hey, what's up? And you're like, yeah, man, you know, I just I just came back from St. Croix. I was cooking down there and I'm like, hey, what you doing now? I'm like, oh, you know. I'm here. <laughs> okay. I'm here too. <laughs> yeah, so I finally, I finally got back home um, and then uh, opened up Urbana Restaurant in the Hotel Palomar on, uh, yes, on yes. P Street, which, uh, you know, Kempton really started making their, you know, not making their, making their presence here in the city, mm-hmm. opening up, you know, new hotels. Like I remember at that time we were opening up hotels like it was nobody's business. I did. I used to um, work at, um, at Post. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was a server at Post for a little while. Yeah, and, um, you know, it was a good time. Um, stayed there for a couple of years, um, and then uh, and I was a sous chef there, and we did a lot of great, amazing things. Um, I think our first year we were nominated for, like, a Rammy for, like, one of the best restaurants in the city. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we, we had some ups and downs. And then I, I moved on to, uh, to Indie Blue, Oh, that's a throwback. Yeah, in, in Chinatown. <laughs> so I became the executive sous chef at Indie Blue. And um, we people, were, people people of a certain age will remember, who were in D.C. at that time, will remember Indie Blue. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a wild place, man. You know, we did fine dining food. Well, fine dining casual food. But it was also like they had like this whole synergy of, of bouncing the club together and stuff like that. So it was a really dope place to be at. Were they Were they the first restaurant to flip into a club because I, I remember when that I, I when that started so. happening like it was a bunch of restaurants like, well they, they were doing the lounge thing remember okay. remember when dc was just flooded with lounges yes yes yeah, yeah super clubs were starting to come to a close yeah, and all exactly. these lounges popped up you know um okay because i remember just like i would see all these places they're like yeah we're restaurants I'm like you're a restaurant who the hell eats there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know you for the club you know yeah, so I mean, you know, we 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 had a a pretty successful restaurant up there, but then the the club life kind of took over. Yeah, um, we ended up closing the restaurant. I moved on and did a short stint opening up uh, the Rosa Mexicana in National Harbor. Okay. Um, so I kind of I, I started off here at the Seventh Street location, and then moved over to the Rosa Mexicana at National Harbor, which was just a beast in itself. You know, every day we do over fifteen hundred, two thousand people. Because I mean, straight out of cart. I mean, at that time, like. Even now, what we're seeing at the MGM, like, there was nothing like that yeah. in that part of town. So everybody's just, like, over there. Like, I finally saw a long line of cars trying to get to the MGM on a Friday night. I was like, what? what? <laughs> For real? Yeah. But um, so you're working at all these restaurants. When did the Smithsonian come into play? 
So I had like, my that's, I had, that's a big that's a that's a big deal. Like you're working for like one of the biggest, most important um museum and cultural institutions in the world, you know? Yeah, so for me, you know, I had I had a son and um it was just the quality of life, man. I, I, I couldn't work those restaurant hours anymore mm-hmm. and, and and you know, be focused as a father. You know, like if anybody knows the restaurant life, like the restaurant life's pretty real, man. Yeah. You know, you, you have some some you have some great times but you have some really messed up times and um it, it took a little while for me to, to get acclimated to, to understanding that i needed to slow down i mean i was a guy that walked into work every morning at nine o'clock but i didn't go home until three four in the morning i mean that's just what we did yeah. you know we, we 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 busted ass on the line and we drank all night and drank all night if, drank you, didn't, all if you didn't go out drinking you sat at the bar yeah. at your restaurant yeah, exactly. and drank with the managers and, and it wasn't just having a strip drink i'm talking about like you spent know, your whole paycheck yeah, yeah. spent spend your whole <laughs> spent your whole paycheck drinking, friday night bro. just drinking I've, I've been there man i yeah. know i know and uh it was catching up with me fast you know it was taking a toll on my body taking a toll on my mind mm-hmm. and i couldn't be the proper father that i should be yeah um, so I took some time off. So I took about, I think, what, maybe a year off mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, was a stay at home dad with my son, okay. which was, which was pretty great. Um, at that time, you know, I'd do like little small jobs and stuff like that to kind of, you know, keep going. But, uh, it was like catering it, gigs. Or yeah. Okay. But it was time for me to really clean myself up type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then I was like, all right, well, let me get back out there and start looking for a job. And, um, I seen I, I responded to this ad, and then um, you know the guy was like, "Yeah, meet me at you know the American Indian Museum." Da da this and that. And I was like, "Fuck, man, what am I doing with my life now?" <laughs> so I show up there. You just is it is it were you yeah. feeling like that? Were you thinking that because you just didn't want to go corporate or or it was it was it was that. But then you know it was also you know the the scarcity of you know I've seen these types of places where everything comes in a bag and. You know, it, it just gets weird like that. And you, you know, what I wanted to do at that time, it wasn't that. Okay. You know, I like you. you know, my 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 dream was to have you know a two hundred seat restaurant and, and make it one of the best in D.C. and 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 to really be overly trend setting and you know kind of knock it out like that. Which I'm glad you, know, you brought that up because I want to bring that up. I want to talk about that later too. But um, go ahead. So I walked in there and and walked to the American Indian Museum. I was amazed at what what, what they do there. Mm. I was like, man, you know, like they, they, there's really thought behind the food. The menu changed seasonally. They told stories through food, yeah. and everything was made from scratch. Mm. So I was like, all right, I mean, I, I think I get this and stuff like that. But then looking at the volume, I was like, shit, man, like how do you even do it? So I got offered the job as a sous chef there. Started working there, and it took me a couple months to get acclimated. You know, going from you know focusing on one dish at a time you know, for one person at a time type of thing, mm. then focusing on, oh, well, I need to figure out how to batch cook this and still give that a la carte idea to a thousand people. Right. Then 1,500 people, then 2,000 people, you yeah. know, and to, to really understand how to drive quality at the same time. But then at the same time, you're educating people through food. Mm. So it took me a while to get acclimated. Then, you know, I started enjoying it a lot more. I, I started enjoying, you know, doing research, reading, you know, understanding about Native Americans, understanding about the the regional aspects of why this Native American tribe is different from this tribe and their cooking methods and so forth. And then, you know, really getting in touch with the history. So when did you two guys meet, you you and Steve? So on my way out, so I was at the American Indian for, what, three years prior to Steve getting there. Okay. 
And then I got offered the job to be the chef director at the Smithsonian Castle. Okay. So as I was going out, Steve was coming in as yep. the as the pastry guy. Okay. Which which lasted lasted about a day. <laughs> and then uh they they never really intended for me to do pastry there, I guess. I get there on my first day, do pastry. The second day I come in the other sous chef's there and he's like, Hey man, you're you're out here on the hotline. I'm like, nah, you you must you must be mistaken. I'm Steve, I'm the new pastry guy. He's like, nah, man. Chef told me you're the, you're the next guy for sous chef. You're on the hotline. Now, did you want to do pastry? At I went to school for pastries. Okay. okay. So I, I went to um, I went to culinary school in Baltimore. Mm. Got my degree in baking and pastry. Um, which before that I, I never wanted to do pastries. First day of class, did breads. Fell in love. Switched everything for me. I worked for Marriott for a few years. Mm. Doing the whole thing from morning baker, getting in there at two, three in the morning, getting off at noon to, to you know, staying late at night, working the parties, working the flambe station, whatever. And then, um, like Rome said, you know, I came in and backfilled him pretty much when he left out for uh, for his gig at the castle. Yeah. And then um, at the Indian Museum, I kind of just, like I said, it was a day in pastry, then it was out on hotline, then I was in soups, then I was back in pastry and some people got let go and just kind of bounced around everywhere for, before I got that promotion to sous chef. And then I'd say after I was there for about six months tops, um, the current chef left. So, you know, that's when they brought Jerome back in as the exec chef. So that's okay. kind of when we, we really met and started working started together. Working together. Yeah. So I'm guessing that the time, your time at the American Indian Museum was a, both a learning and grow, growth experience for both of y'all. Yeah, definitely. Oh, 100 percent. Know, just from like, like you said, like learning, learning about the specific cuisines of you know specific tribes, as well as just you know having to pivot and change with all this transition going on in the kitchen. Yeah, and the great thing that 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 really made things easier for us to to understand each other is you know we both came from hotel backgrounds and standalone restaurant backgrounds, mm-hmm. so we still had that common goal of all right, how can we transfer this a la carte thought into batch cooking and still tell a story and you know it it, it it's a it's amazing it's amazing synergy together you know what i mean um and it, i mean it came from really the whole thing is we we just sit there you know late in the day and start pitching ideas back and forth and you know someone throws out an idea and all of a sudden you'll sit there and you're like that'd be cool but i don't think we could do it mm-hmm. and then there's always somebody else in the room going nah that's bullshit man we can do it. This is how we're going to do it. We go out in the kitchen and we fuck it up 18 times. And the 19th time, it comes out great. And all of a sudden, you have someone try it and they go, wait, you did, you did what now? You Wait, you breaded the chicken in quinoa and fried it? Like, yeah. what? You know, so it's. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I said, you know, we, we'd focus on these stories and, and focus on whether these tribes or these regions of, of ingredients that were indigenous to, to them. Then we look at the, the the cooking techniques and the method throughout the certain times of the year and figure out, all right, now what can we do? And for us, it was just, you know, you, we didn't want to kind of do the normal thing. We wanted to push the buck as far as possible. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's the only way people are going to notice you. Yeah. And especially at the Indian Museum, like, it, it built a good reputation prior to, to us really taking this full take, this the, taking it over fully. And we were like, you know, whatever we do has to be amazing. It has to be out the box. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't fucking work. Right, right. You know what I mean? But at least we're taking that that, that chance. So, I mean, there, there's been stuff that we scrapped, and there's been stuff, like he says, that we tried 18 times until we got it right. Okay. And, and um, 
And so now you both have mo- since moved on from American yep. Indian Museum. Yep. Sweet Home Cafe. Sweet Home Cafe. At the African American History and Culture Museum, Atrium Cafe, Natural History Museum. Yep. Um, I know more about the menu at Sweet Home. Is the menu at the Atrium Cafe in- indigenous um, leaning as well? So um, right now we're getting ready to go through a refresh there. So okay. there's going to be a lot of renovations, a lot of innovation going on in the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, right now our biggest focus is you know all natural, organic, GMO-free. Um, just trying to go back to you know really what what food should be before we industrialized everything and right. kind of kind of pushed it to be more convenient instead of you know better for us and better for the planet and everything like that. Natural history, That's yeah. it. Na- na- natural history, natural food, natural history, natural food. I like it. So, did either of y'all think that y'all would have been y'all would be with the Smithsonian as long as y'all have been with them? Nah, honestly. Because how long has it been? Never, like what? Never in a million six years. years yeah, man. for me, it's my seventh year. Okay, I'm three and a half pushing four. Okay, yeah. and I think the great thing is, you know, what we've done, and and and, and this is probably one of the big re- one of the big reasons, not just the only reason, but one of the big reasons why that Steve's over at the the Natural History now, is for the simple fact that what we've done at the American Indian Museum, we've transcended museum dying around the world. Okay, you know, before Sweet Home Cafe came in, um, the American Indian was, you know. And still is probably one of the top five museum dying destinations in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's up there with like the Guggenheim, the Met, the, the Met Museum, um, you know, places all over the world. And we really trans- transformed dining there. And then we've moved over to Sweet Home Cafe and, you know, did great things there. So they've literally handpicked Steve to kind of move over to natural history to help revamp and help, you know, restructure what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because now that they've seen the success of Mitz Tam Cafe and, and, and the current success of Sweet Home Cafe, every museum wants that. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And Just to have its own, their restaurant to have its own specific, well-defined character. Exactly. That, that, that it's known for. It, it's great because so many times, too, you get guests coming in expecting it to be a regular cafe experience, some crappy pizza, burnt burger, whatever. And then they see all this great food, mm. and then they eat it, and they come out completely transformed. And you not only met their expectations, but exceeded them 20, 30 times over. Right, right. Okay. Well, Jerome, I know with the Sweet Home Cafe, like we were saying earlier, you know, you said you serve well over 600,000 people yeah, so you, since it opened in September. 600,000? Yeah, something like that. I mean, if you, maybe, maybe I, I might be wrong. We've served a lot. I mean, six hundred thousand is nothing. Is no number to you know to to, yeah. to scoff at. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like even with an opening day, our first two days we did over eight thousand people, and that's probably in a matter of twenty hours. Right, right. And I mean, and and we're doing consistently twenty eight hundred and more a day. And these there's regions for people who don't know. You're focusing on four. Basically, you divided the United States into four different regions. So yeah. So what we've done is follow the migration of African Americans throughout the United States. Uh, Pre-slavery and post-slavery. Okay, okay. And with the success comes haters. You know what I mean? And I know, like, you know, like I told you a couple people, they're like, well, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you've gotten some some feedback as well. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Um, My my question is, though, just, you know, how how you've taken that, how the, 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 um, in terms of just, like, hearing the feedback, listening to it, you know, considering the feedback as the as the executive chef, as well as even the the, the museum itself. No, we definitely we I consider all feedback. You know, at the end of the day, nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, what we do is we strive to put out the best meal possible on a daily basis. And all feedbacks welcome, both positive and negative. You can't grow unless you ha- you understand the negative feedback. Right. Unless you – and don't get me wrong. There's some stuff you just weed out like, oh, yeah, well, she's just angry because she's – she, you know, she's just angry. <laughs> um, but, nah, but definitely you have to go through this feedback and understand, all right, well, maybe there's some things that we need to fix or there, we have to kind of meet in the middle to, to, to make sure that everybody, you know, en- enjoys the meal. Um, you know – you can't grow without that. Right. You know what I mean? If, if I couldn't help you understand your faults or, or understand the wrongdoings that you do, then, A, I'm, a ba- I'm, not, I'm not the right person, you know, to be around, mm. to be around you to help you with those things. But also at the same time, if you're not receptive of that, then you're not the bigger person that's going to grow either. Right, right. You know, so at the end of the day, we strive to put out the best meal possible, tell the stories of, you know, our people. But at the same time, it's not about what I do. It's about what our team does. Yeah. And for us, you know, there's things that we look at like our, you know, it's not that am I happy with this or am I good with this product, uh, product that we're putting out. It's also as long as we're all happy with it and we're all good with it. You know what I mean? Mm. Because at the end of the day, without me, that place is still going to run. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's because the people that, that work for me have this buy-in, mm. you know. They, they, they know what they're doing is historic and it, they, they really push forth the culture. I mean, when when passion and morale is high, like, you know, that definitely makes for a great staff, a great work yeah. environment and like the, the output whatever that output is, is always going to be great. You know, yeah. I would tell people who haven't visited um, the cafe or even people who have just to like, don't come with any expectations because, you know, especially anybody who's, who's um, focus of the diaspora is like Southern and like the, the, the Northern, like the Northern end where, you know, you had that Caribbean West Indian right. diaspora going up North and you're used to your aunties and your grandmothers and your mothers yeah, exactly. and how they cook. Right. But, you know, you can't, just like you say, you know, everybody does things. People always say, oh, you do, the, they do the potato salad different or they yeah. do the macaroni cheese different. Like, don't come with any expectations, but come with the expectation that the output is going to be, you know, stellar. Right. You know what I mean? Not your auntie's kitchen yeah if this was your auntie's kitchen you could have just went to your auntie's kitchen yeah exactly (laughs) you know one one of the things that that we and try the food from the other regions man like like i'm like i just said like i i want to go back to the restaurant and try the western region like because i don't know i'm not familiar with any of that you know yeah you know i mean i i try to strive to let people understand like this isn't your mama's kitchen man Mm -hmm. um what we're doing is we're 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 doing at a high level um a lot of our ingredients, like we don't use no preservatives or nothing like that. Mm. Um, you know, I had a conversation with this with this lady the other day. She's like, "Y'all need to put some Miss Dash in there." You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Miss Dash, that. you know what, what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, "That's cool and all, man," but at the end of the day, you know, Miss Dash is hyped up with a whole lot of MSG and yeah. all this other shit. It's like Mrs. we 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 Dash. don't do that. Like you know, we make our own spice mixes in house. You know, we butcher our own chicken. We like everything's like everything's done by hand. Like I've I've had a girl. On, on Twitter called me out saying that we buy our greens out of a can. No, I, I, I've literally bought half of White she, Oak Maryland out of greens. She 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 tr- up there trying to accuse you of using Glory Greens? Yeah. Well, you bought half the yeah. East Coast out of I, I, I bought, I've li- I'm, not, I'm not bullshit when I said I've literally bought half of the now, East Coast out of Greens. I believe you, greens. but, the, but the, the, just for somebody <laughs> to have the audacity to, like, 
People ain't never been yeah, nowhere. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I pay a couple people. <laughs> I'm going to chalk it up to that. People yeah, ain't been you know, nowhere. Someone yeah, just I, I, I pay a couple guys. I literally pay a couple people good money just to cut greens all day. And people think, people, when they think they done had good food, they ain't even had good food, man. Yeah, I mean, and, you <laughs> I know. I wish I would have seen that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, with us, it's like, at the end of the day, man, you, you, you take things with a grain of salt and you, and you figure out, like I said, you have to figure out what feedback you really need to take in. Um you know, we, we get a lot of complaints about our prices being high and stuff like that, which for me, oh, I've man. we've been dealing with, with it for years and people don't really understand the end of, the, you know, the back end of the story. You know, if, if you're paying for tickets to get into the museum, then somebody's robbing you. You know, keep in mind, these museums are free. Right. You know, at the end of the day, a luxury that we here in the D.C. area have, yeah. you know, to have the Smithsonian, yeah. like everything is free. All yeah. the restaurant entry—I mean, oh, not restaurant, but the um, the museum entry to every rest—I mean, I, I keep saying restaurant, <laughs> about food. The entry into every Smithsonian museum is free, and that is a luxury because if you go to a museum in any other part of the world, you're, you're paying. paying. <laughs> you're paying, and if you ain't a member, you might pay a lot. A, a lot. lot. <laughs> you better go on a Target-free Sunday or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Yeah, but oh, you know, man. you know, a good amount of our proceeds actually go into that place. You know, it go it goes right back into the Smithsonian. It goes right back in directly to that museum. Right, right. Um, so yeah, that's that 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 is what it is. Okay. And then at the same time, the you know, we're not going to to Wegmans or anything like that to buy our ingredients either. Like you know, we 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 hand select we we deal with certain vendors that deal with certain farmers. Right. You know, like my my catfish that we get, like it's Maryland blue Chesapeake catfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, you know, that murky crap that you get from, from here or there or in Carolina or nothing like that. Like, it's good quality ingredients. And at the same time, some people kind of like, oh, well, it doesn't taste like this because maybe you might have been used to eating artificial to crap. Eat you know what I mean? Bullshit, man. You know, and that, that's just one of the types of things. And at the end of the day, I, I think what we need to do is help educate people through absolutely, food. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the stories that we, that, that we definitely try to tell along with, you know, the stories of diaspora that, you know, at, at, at one point, you know, people associate soul food with being unhealthy. It's like, no, nah, it really wasn't. You know, things like, you know, collard greens and pot liquor were actually nourishing to the body. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we drank the pot liquor on plantation and stuff like that to get through the day and to get the, the residual vitamins that we need. You know, nowadays it's just, you know, all sorts of shit in it and people get confused with what's real and what's artificial. <sighs> Before I even go on another retort about <laughs> some of the plates and things I'd be seeing on Instagram, because I don't even want to go down that road. Let's switch it up. So, <laughs> you're a sneakerhead. Something like that. And you're, I, I, I enjoy a good shoe. And you're a, a, a bourbon whiskey lover. Yeah, something like that. Man, I always see you with a glass of, of one of the two. <laughs> Whether it's American, Japanese, Irish... Whatever. Yeah. It's you know all about I mean? that Japanese, it's, it's man. all about Japanese for me right now. I mean, Japanese and American small batches. Okay. Um, so yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. So well, first, I want to ask, what are your most prized pair of sneakers? Undefeated fours. Okay. All right. I'm saying like I know. I'm uh, not a, people think I'm a sneakerhead and I'm not. I'm, I'm really not a sneakerhead. Like that, yeah. that, that, as much as I'm into fashion. That's that's one area I'm just no expert in. Yeah, undefeated fours were were very tough release to get, and I think at that time, like to spend a couple hundred bucks on a pair of tennis shoes was nuts. Yeah, and I, I remember I, I still got them size nine and a half, 
at that time, that's back in the day when we used to scrunch our feet in the smaller <laughs> shoes. You know what I'm saying? I've done that. I think I, at the time I was working, I paid like 500 bucks for them. Like, I had to have them. It's the safety orange. Like, I, I had to have them. And that was big money back then. You're a sneakerhead. Only sneakerheads are willing to pay that much for athletic shoes. Yeah, but this is back in, like, 03 or something like Even that. Even back then, it's still, like, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> now then, like, only sneakerheads are willing to pay that much for athletic shoes. I'm telling you. I don't like, think I bought a pair of shoes that ain't work shoes in, like, two years. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I remember when I bought those shoes, man. I, I, bought, a, uh, I bought a Suns jersey. 4X. Uh-huh. <laughs> got, this is definitely 03. I bought me a 4X Suns jersey. This is definitely 03. Uh, and I, I had that uh, that that remember those NBA fitted hats with all the pin, with all the jams in the back, man. You know, I was on my Cameron shit, man. You know, was it a Michelin S jersey? Yeah. <laughs> man, you, you know, back in the, like I said at that uh, time, I had just I had income that you know whatever. No and we, and we did stu- yeah, we did stupid <laughs> things like that, man. All right, so what's your most prized bottle of whiskey that you currently have or have had that you've now drank? No, nah, I mean, what I, got? I got like a Hibiki 30-year. Okay. Um, but it's not an import. It's straight Japanese. Like, it, it, you know. You went it, out there to get it? No, 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 no. My, uh, my girlfriend got it for me for Christmas. Okay. So it's, it's one of those one-off things. It's hard to find actually like a straight bottle of japanese whiskey that that wasn't imported over here to be sold in the states like you know it's all the writings japanese the whole nine and she had to go to an auction and get it wow yeah that's love man yeah (laughs) that's love yeah so you know that that's probably one of my one of my prize one of my prize bottles um but something as simple as like you know like the whistle pig old world Mm -hmm. which yeah it's an expensive bottle but like I, i love that shit you know I, don't, I haven't had the old world, but I do. I do like Whistle Pig. Yeah, like Whistle Pig is good stuff, man. Um, that's like my like if I go to a bar, that's what I order. Okay. You know, just Whistle Pig on the rocks. Okay. All right. Um, what inspires both of y'all just to keep going? Man, for me, it's just you know getting that. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of stuff I've done now. Mm-hmm. It's like crossing it off the list. You know, I I, I can do some pastries. I can cook some food. It's like, what else? What else haven't I done yet? What do I want to conquer next? Mm. So that that's always it for me. Is just you know looking around, seeing what other people are doing, and then can I do that? And once I can do it, can I do it better? Mm. So it's just that just that drive to keep keep pushing yourself, keep pushing the envelope. You know, make make yourself a little bit better every day, and then hopefully while I'm at it, make the guys that are working underneath me right. a little bit better as well. Okay. How about you, Jerome? To keep me going, man, it's just to to truly elevate myself um, as far as what can you do to kind of stand out from the rest, you know. Mm. Um, You know, now all of a sudden this career move, it's it's saturated with a lot of people that are into it, you know. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But A lot of people into? Cooking. Okay. All right. You know, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. I mean, the more the merrier. But I have to make sure that I stand out you know, more than everybody else personally. Mm. And to stand out for the work that I do, not for the person that I am. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I think I'm a pretty decent guy, but I'm an asshole at the same time. <laughs> but, you know, the only things I really need to impress you is with my worth ethic and, and, and with the food that I put out. Okay. Well, two things I want to talk about. Um, first, DC's culinary scene. Like earlier, you brought up... Um, 
you brought up uh just like wanted to have this 200 seat restaurant and like you know be this like really famous chef what have what have you looking at dc's culinary scene now it's a question for both of y'all um with y'all especially being outside of like the restaurant uh portion of it would you say that the scene is more celebrity chef driven award driven or just are people really like about the creative in it you know I mean that's a hard one to kind of answer. I mean as far as the the the, the restaurant scene in DC, like it's it's grown from what it used to be. Okay. Um, the the great thing about that is yeah you have celebrity chefs that are here, but you also have a lot of guys that are just striving to really put out good food. Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant DC and the restaurant scene in DC is truly taken off, and it's taken off in these past couple of years. And jeez. Uh, I mean, I think nowadays. I should have told you that yeah. I don't. I don't ask surface questions. You know, I ask tough questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you can look too at the trend of almost like tastings. Initially, this whole big food thing hit, mm-hmm. and and the tasting menu was yes. the place to be. Everyone was doing the tasting menu. They wanted the newest, the latest, the greatest, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But if you step back and look at it now, a lot of the restaurants have kind of limited that or taken it back away, and they're kind of just striving on, you know, what's what's going to be our niche? What's going to be the one thing we're going to do great? And I think now that everyone's got educated on food, they don't want a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. They just want one thing that's good and it's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that's kind of the direction it's headed in now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. And, and D.C.'s become, becoming its own innovative city. You know what I'm saying? Our, our, our arts and culture is really taking off. It's, it's being noticed throughout the world. It's one of the reasons why a lot of, you know, outsiders come into our city. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not for government jobs. It's for understanding this D.C. culture and and, and kind of grasping it, you know. That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're trying to push me into, I'm man. Not I'm, trying not to push, it, man. I'm not trying to push you to nothing, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to push you to nothing, man. Nah, but, um, okay, so somebody... Coming into town, um, want to know where to eat. Um, give them three places. Doesn't have to be the best. Doesn't have to be the the your absolute favorite, but three of your favorites. Three of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Bad Saint. Okay. Um, the source will always be one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, this Korean barbecue spot. Ye- oh, well, actually, I got four spots. So this Korean barbecue spot, <laughs> Ye Chan out in Annandale. <laughs> That's so. That's the one. Twenty four like, hours. That's a realest shit you can get. That's that, is that across from a. Uh, 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 need to be from a um. What is it um? It's by the Seven Eleven, and it's like the, they got the coffee shop next door. Breezes. Okay. It's in Annandale. Okay. But I mean, like fire Korean barbecue and sushi. Okay, I, I got to keep that in mind because I've, um, I've been going to um. Honey pig or honey something. Honey pig. Nah, yeah. man, it's wasting it's, your time, it's, man. Look, I, I used to go to Honey Pig and. He he drugged me out to Ye Chan last month. Okay. And my life hasn't been Tell the same ever since. Bye. All right, all right, now I know. Three now o'clock I, in the morning. Now Great. I know. And I wake I, up in the morning and wish I was at Ye yeah. Chan. And I got I got a I got a Korean barbecue crew too, so I'm we we, we nah, going out there. Like it, it, it's it's legit, man. Okay. And then um I'm a ramen junkie. So Dakaya, Bantam King, like those are my, my, my spots. Okay. Okay. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I, I mean I gotta mirror a lot of what what Rome's saying just because when I came into the city DC was completely new to me mm-hmm. and I really got introduced to the DC food scene by Rome 
but the, but the other place I'll throw in, it's my little secret gem. If you're looking for sushi, Hakari Sushi up on H Street. Yes. It is just phenomenal. I mean, there's only like six tables in there and a little bar. Mm-hmm. But the guy, Peter, just, man, he takes care of everyone who comes in there, man. He, he remembers our names. He remembers the last time we were in there. And the sushi is just phenomenal. Hon- honestly, the best I've had in the city. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the whole thing is, 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 at least for me, is going to a place that really has good food. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's comforting. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, you got to be all dressed up in this and that or whatever you you know, just come as you are. You know, you get served a great meal and get great service. That's that's more of the more of my flow. Y'all you know, you chefs, go, man. yeah, those, you, those are chef <laughs> responses to the yeah. re- the restaurant <laughs> question. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you go to all these ritzy places and stuff like that. But you know, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, it's just about comfort and, and, and enjoying a great meal and you know being able to to enjoy the people that I'm with at the same time, not have to be all stuffy about things and yeah. stuff like that and on my latest and greatest to go to go here nah it's just you know you a real modest dude man because like you got a lot of awards <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of accolades a, a lot of recognition for your work man you know like i'm gonna name some awards real quick so get ready um when you were in st croix you got best new chef down yeah. there um while you were at mitzatam um you won a rammy for best casual restaurant yes and um sweet home cafe has been nominated for this year's uh james beard best new restaurant award yep. so when is um when is the uh, final decision come out uh, the 15th of march it'll okay. be uh so it'll be Wednesday. on facebook live okay All yeah right. but we're already good where we're at man i mean if, if we do get any further it'll be a true blessing but just getting the nod alone, you know, it's, that's always been a dream of mine. I never thought it happened unless I was in a standalone restaurant or I wrote a cookbook. Okay. Um, but we have a great team, you know. We have a great team that believed in it. And it goes to show you that, you know, people do recognize the work that, that you and your team put in. And, uh, you know, sitting here, you know, like, like you're talking about, like, the feedback and stuff like this. And, like, you know, some people talk about this and that or whatever. And it's like, that's cool and all, man. But it goes to show you how far that we've actually, you know, communicated to, to, to a group of people that not even to a group of people, but to people in this, in this, in this uh, industry Mm -hmm. that truly respect you, Yeah, you know, like the James Beard award. It's not like, you know, it it isn't like your, your, your best new chef of, you know, Jimmy's Gazette or something like that, man. You know, it's a, it's a very big thing. Like people dream of this stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It's like, like, which so which ranks higher, a James Beard Award or a Michelin star for a restaurant? Or does it can you really compare the two? I don't think you could truly compare the two. Well, you you probably can, but you you really can't. You know, it's it's a hard thing to kind of describe. Like a Michelin star, like you'd want to you know that that's a different genre of restaurant. Okay. Um, where the James Beard Awards you know encompass you know uh, the true aspect of of what the restaurant does and, and what they put out, you know, like the Michelin star thing, like it's, it's the full spiel from when you walk in the door, the whole nine. Mm. And it's, 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 it's kind of hard to kind of disseminate, but, uh, but also a Michelin star was something that was brought over from Europe. You know, a James Beard award was actually more of a American, American thing. Award. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's like, it's literally the Grammys of, of restaurants. So it wasn't like, you know, we got nominated out of, 20 restaurants we got nominated out of every new restaurant that opened up in the united states of america this year wow. and we did it in five months wow. you know what i mean 
like we didn't even open up the first of the year. <laughs> That's amazing, man. You know, we 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 opened up September twenty fifth, twenty fourth. 24th, yeah. September 24th. September 24th. You know, like you mentioned, Michelin stars. You know, if you look at it, like they're up against, in D.C., Pineapple and Pearls. Right. Two Michelin stars. Mm-hmm. Which is a phenomenal restaurant. Yeah. Phenomenal. Which even to be mentioned with those guys is like, you know, we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're the guys in the mall that run a cafe, man. You and, know what I mean? He's so modest, man. No, nah, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, you, then, then you're ranked up there with Aaron Silverman who does a – a phenomenal job like the guy's a fucking mastermind you know what i mean like the way that he looks at food is i could tell you i can only imagine to look at food that same way you know okay well save the best question for last i want you to talk a little bit about just um being of service in the local community you know what i mean um i know um this time last year um you started working with the uh, sharnika sharnika howard yep. on uh, heart and soul yes talk a little bit about that um, so, you know, I, I give as much time as I can back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, if you don't take care of your community, who else is? You know what I mean? We all get to a point in life where we're all stuck somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we all need each other, no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Steve's been with me through some hard times in life and stuff like that. And, you know, he's helped me get along as well as, you know, other people. And if you can't give that helping hand to to your own brother or your own sister type of thing, then then what are you here for? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I like I said, I, I could only be as good as is is the energy that I put out. Mm-hmm. And to to really help take care of the people at DC, you know, is is very important to me. Um whether you can reach one person or whether you can reach twenty thousand people, you're 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 helping that one life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me it's not about, oh, you know, I'm Instagram and then I'm out here feeding the homeless or this and that. It's like, that's not what it's about for me. It's about just taking care of it and moving on and, and doing it again. Yeah. You know? And and I, I think people kind of get lost with, you know, what charity work is. Charity work isn't charity work like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go help somebody. It's civil. It's your civil duty, man. You know, it's your civil duty to, to take care of your neighborhoods. It's your civil duty to, to, to see the kid that, that's going down the wrong path saying, you know what I'm saying, you know, young man, you know, you, this is what you need to do or or a young person or whichever, um, something as simple as like, you know, like even like the kids that, that come into our museums and stuff like that, they'll start yelling out stuff they need. It's like, hold on, good morning, what can I get for you? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody did that for me growing up. Like my father was in the military, he was a very strict type of dude, and, and that's what he kind of taught me. It's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, in order to get the respect, you gotta give the respect, but you need more of the respect of your people to kind of, you know, venture out and yeah. to, to, to really, you know, exude that positive energy. So, you know, we do a lot of work with uh, Central Union Mission. Um, we've done events for the uh, Batter Women's Shelter down in... Uh, Anacostia. Anacostia. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing the event with No Kids Hungry this year, mm-hmm. which is just an amazing thing. Um, also doing what I have a recipe going in their cookbook, which will be up there with people like Marcus Samuelson, Jose Andreas. Um, you know, a lot of prestigious people. Um, doing the zero to sixty uh, health event at the for the government, mm-hmm. which was an initiative that Michelle Obama put in. Um, I mean, shit. What else do we do? Taste the nations. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you name it, we're there. Um, so it's very important to give back. And you know, at the same, uh, what's what's the one that we do with the kids? Best buddies. Oh, okay. yeah, the best buddies ones. The best buddy ones, which actually is pretty great, you know, okay. helping autistic kid, you know, in the DM, autistic kids in the DMV area, which you know, it's always a fun thing, and it's just you know, that helps inspire you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. 
like to kind of go on to kind of push and to to show that you're there for your community. I, I think that's what has helped me be successful. You know what I mean? You could be so one-sided about, you know, yourself, yourself, yourself. It's not. It's about everybody. It's it's about the crew that I work with. It's about the guys that I stand next to with, you know, because I spend more time with them than, hell, I even do with my own family. Yeah. You know? So if we can't get along and we can't understand each other and we can't build together, then what are you building for? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. With, and then with the, uh, the Central Union Mission um, events, you work with a few other um, – Dope chefs in the city as well. If you want to shout them yeah, out, yeah, man, they're all right, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> nah, but uh, like you know, my boy Rock Harper, um, Chef Monique, um, old crazy ass Ray down at Capitol Crab Cakes or Capitol Hill Crab Cakes. Yeah, you know you gotta say Ray, or else he he he, he, he curse you out. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's probably waiting out front. Yeah, right yeah now. he probably waiting out front right now. Um. You know, my boy, uh, Chef Brazel Murphy. I mean, a lot of good dudes, man, and, and good women. And sugar chef. Yeah, big sugar. Sugar chef in them. Um, you know, it's, it's and, and I think that's the great thing. You know, all egos aside and stuff like that, like, it's just extremely positive. Mm. And, you know, when we get together, actually, it's a great time. It's a great time for us. Yeah. You know, it's a stress reliever, but at the same time, there's people that benefit from us being together and putting out good food, you know, to, to, to put a, a hot meal on on somebody who doesn't that hasn't had a hot meal in weeks, you know, on their table, I think that's you know that's a great thing. So, what can we expect next? What's up? What's upcoming? What's upcoming? Yeah, man. Grinding. Yeah, grinding. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, like you know, my whole motto every year is, man, I'll see you guys at the fucking top, man. You know, that's the only way to go. Mm-hmm. You have to have that attitude, and uh, you know. Like I said, we, we have a lot of amazing things in store at Sweet Home Cafe, um, as well as the rest of the mall with all of our dining areas. And, you know, we're going to we're going to go there. Yeah. So definitely we can come to either museum yeah. and we're going to see y'all. Y'all plan on being there for a minute. Yep, that's uh, something like that. Okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. They, they're yeah, going to be they're going to be there for a good minute. So, you know. Get down there while you can, you know, because I'm pretty sure some some really great opportunities will continue to open up for both of these gentlemen. Um, always like to ask everybody where people can find you on social media if y'all want to be found. Yeah, I mean, you can find me. I guess my Instagram and Twitter handle are the same. It's uh, Chef JG Details, you know, C-H-E-F-J-G-D-E-T, I think A-I-L-S, something like that. <laughs> Why do you call yourself a glorified dishwasher, man? Because that's, that's where it started from, man. At the end of the day, <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, like I fancy myself as a cook, man. I'm, you know, that's just what I am. Okay. Um, but it started off with washing dishes, man, and, and somebody taking that chance. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the, the, the route that I traveled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it started off with washing dishes, man. Right. I mean, you, you, you earned your stripes. Yeah. You, put in, you paid your dues, man. Oh, yeah. You paid your dues, you know what I mean? And uh, there's still more dues to be paid, so. Okay. And what about you, Steve? Where can people find you? Uh, man, you can find me on Instagram, just uh, at Chef Big Steve. Okay. Pretty pretty straightforward. <laughs> you got that in early. I was, you, you got that name early. No, nah, surprisingly, no. You okay. know, it was just. He it bought was it. I'm pretty sure there's sh- another <laughs> Chef Big Steve out there. Nah, man, the he one and only. It. $25, <laughs> a nickel bag of weed, and a Colt 45. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, I appreciate y'all coming in. It was great talking with y'all. Oh, man. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. That's a wrap.
The All The Fly Kids show is powered by Fairground Creative Media and is recorded at the Innovator Studio inside Impact Hub, located in the Penn Quarter section of downtown D.C. Engineered by Backpack Matt and Ryan Gordon and produced by Geronimo Knows, me. You can subscribe to and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, and Spreaker. Tell a friend and pay it forward.